Welcome to LDS Real People, Real Lives. I am Stephanie Colvin. I will be your host. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We've got a great episode for you about trials and hardships. And the special guest is my husband, Jed Colvin. I think that he has some great faith and experiences to share. And I so much appreciate him collaborating with me on this podcast. It has been just a joy. So thanks again for tuning in. song that was played at the beginning of this episode is Did You Think to Pray by the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And I wanted to go ahead and finish the last couple of verses. Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night to day. So when life gets dark and dreary, don't forget to pray. When sore trials come upon you, did you think to pray? When your soul was full of sorrow, balm of Gilead did you borrow at the gates of day. Did you think to pray? And I think that that song plays very nicely into this week's topic of trials and hardships, the role that they play in this plan of salvation. And thanks again for joining us. Welcome. Do you remember the promises that you made in heaven before being sent to earth to progress in your education? Do you remember God the Father training and preparing you personally for this experience on earth? Do you know that you agreed to this experience knowing it would try you beyond anything you would ever experience before and are risking living with Father and Christ once again if you're not successful here? And what does success look like for this time on earth, this proving experience? Trials, disappointments, sadness, sickness, heartache, They're a difficult part of life, but they are a part of life and they can lead to spiritual growth, refinement and progress as you turn to the Lord. That is why we are here. Trials come because of our choices. Trials come also because of others' choices. And sometimes God gives us specific trials so that we may learn and grow. He knows exactly what we need to present ourselves to him when we pass. Different trials require different responses, such as illness may require faith and patience. Offense may require forgiveness and doubts will definitely require prayer. One of the purposes of this life is to be tested, tried, and proven to see how well we will serve the Lord. And the prophet Joseph Smith said that we would be tested to see if we would serve and remain faithful through all hazards. We knew before we came that there would be many adverse circumstances to test us. And these temptations, these adversities and distractions, really all kinds of situations, they determine our character and they determine our integrity to the Lord. So how well will you serve the Lord? This is what we are proving to ourselves and God while walking this earthly curriculum, which is a divine education if we make the right choices. And of course, have that key ingredient that makes it all work, faith. I have an example that I would like to share with you. It's an elder in the church who likes to fly and he has flown all kinds of planes, both commercial and private, for over 30 years in the US and other countries in South America. 
No, this is an Elder Uchtdorf. I bet that's what you all were thinking. But this story is actually of Elder Robert E. Wells. When Elder Wells returned to the United States after being gone for a while, he had a friend who offered him the use of his airplane. They discussed the qualifications for Elder Wells to be covered under the friend's insurance and then realized he would need a check ride by a qualified inspector because it had been such a long time since Elder Wells had flown a plane like the one that his friend had. The arrangements were made for him to meet with the inspector and they met the next day at the airport. Elder Wells proceeded to show the inspector his flight logs, proving his experience and also as many licenses as he was licensed to fly in several countries, including Ecuador, Argentina, Paraguay, the United States and more. Elder Wells had flown in Cessna 310s across jungles, mountains, deserts, international boundaries, you name it, he's done it. But the inspector was unimpressed with his experience, but nonetheless smiled at Elder Wells and calmly told him, I've heard about you and I have no doubt about how much flying you've done, but I have to assume that those flights were, were done when nothing went wrong. Now let's fire up this bird and see how well you fly when everything is going wrong. Elder Wells goes on to say that the inspector did everything in his power to make anything and everything go wrong during the one hour flight. He turned things off that should have remained on. He turned things on that should have remained off. He tried to create disorientation, panic, and he really wanted to test Elder Wells and push his skills to the limit to show the inspector his capabilities and his grit. In the end, the inspector okayed him to fly, but Elder Wells had to go through many hours of tests, trials, and challenging situations to become the pilot that he is today. And one of the tests of this life is to be tried and tested to see how well we will serve the Lord even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient, or what may make us feel like it's too much to bear. We will be placed in hazardous circumstances. We will experience despair, hopelessness, and we will even feel fear. So why must we go through all of this? What is the point? The prophet Joseph Smith said that we would need to be tested to see if we would serve and remain faithful through all hazards no matter the circumstances. Do we waver or are we steady? We knew before we came to earth that we would have tests of all kinds, including accidents, diseases, sicknesses, distractions, even temptations, discouragements, and failures, all kinds of situations to determine our character. And it is these very experiences that help shape us and refine us so that we may be one day presented to the Lord and we can stand before him honestly expressing, we did our best and I will continue to follow you, O Lord. So the question is, how well can you fly when everything goes wrong? How well can you live when every test, every trial and every proof of your faithfulness is exacted of you? No matter how righteous we are, we will face trials of every kind. And dare I say, the more righteous, the more faithful and valiant you are, the more trials that may come.
Joseph Smith said one time while speaking to the Twelve, You will have all kinds of trials to pass through, and it is quite as necessary for you to be tried as it was for Abraham and other men of God, and God will feel after you, and he will take hold of you and wrench your very heartstrings, and if you cannot stand it, you will not be fit for an inheritance in the celestial kingdom of God. Wow, what a revelation. It kind of makes me feel as if I can't or won't live up to it, and how could I ever? But that is the key, what we think, the things that we tell ourselves. What do we believe? It shapes our decisions, which then shapes our outcomes and our consequences. I'd like to share a story with you of Sister Stella Oaks. Now, she is the mother of Elder Delaney Oaks, and she shared a story of her husband. This was a huge trial and test for her, and this is how she learned how to cope. To find one's own personal relationship with Heavenly Father, to never doubt that He guides the details of our lives, to be able in life's conflict to say, Thy will be done, is the attaining of the ability to walk by faith. This ability is something that each soul must find in his own way through the creative living out of any and all trying experiences that may and will come along. She says, My proving ground came in learning to be obedient to a frightening command, that of accepting the imminent death of my husband after only 11 years of marriage and accepting the challenge of being a mother and woman alone in the world. I had watched Lloyd, my husband, become weaker and lose ground from day to day. One June night, I knelt alone in prayer, utterly spent, wondering at that midnight hour how humble one had to be to receive an answer to one's pleading. It was just at that moment that I felt an envelopment of the spirit of peace, a profound assurance that God is over all and that it was his will that was in command and not mine. I could finally say, thy will be done and feel the peace. I relaxed in my faith and discovered that I had a new trust in the Lord. But even though this sweet peace enveloped me, I still could not sleep. And once more, I turned on the light. As I reached for the doctrine and covenants, it fell open to a section where a message was given to me. I was given to know that the Lord loved me and that I would be made equal to my mission. I felt an encircling love that has sustained me ever since that great moment of change in my life. I have had continual hardships and challenges, but always the sure knowledge that Jesus is the Christ, our Redeemer, and that He sustains us through the opposition that must arise in all things. She is one heck of a woman, and I just love the story that she shared. And with that, I'm now going to present to you an interview that I did with my husband, Jed Colvin. If there is anyone I know in my personal circle of trials beyond anything one could ever imagine, it is my husband. He seems to have been given more than his fair share of trials. I know that we can all feel that way from time to time. Yet he has noticed something in those trials that helps him to know that God and Christ walk with him daily, that they have carried him at times and they have guided his life. 
So here he is, my honey, Jed Colvin. This is the interview I've been telling you about. This is my husband, Jed Colvin, and we're going to be talking to him a little bit today. Jed, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, babe. Um, I want you to tell our audience, we've got some new listeners, so if you could tell our audience a little bit about yourself, what your life was like, uh, schooling, family, and also if you could give us an example of what life was like for you when you were growing up. Okay, that's a lot. (laughs) Here we go. My name is Jed Colvin, and I've been married to you, Stephanie, for about seven years. I'm a convert to the gospel, baptized October of 2013. I remember going to church a little bit when I was younger, and then it just stopped once we got into playing sports. Basically, I think probably at age seven, and sports ended up dominating our lives. And that's just what we did on the weekends was our sporting events. So I didn't know what faith was, it was new to me. I was just living life day to day, just trying to survive. And what I mean by trying to survive is, is from the earliest recollection, I've always had extreme anxiety and OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. But my OCD has nothing to do with repetition per se, and has everything to do with negative thoughts that ruminate and repeat in my mind. And I've spent my life being a worrier. My family always called me the worry wart I wasn't diagnosed until my late 20s, so I lived through my adolescence and younger years being extremely mentally challenged, yet having been undiagnosed, no one caught on to what was really going on inside my brain. It was a storm of thoughts that were contrary, negative, critical, and I didn't really have the ability to be positive about myself at all. It was super tough. An example would be is When I was in school, I had to get every single assignment done right away when I got home. I mean, I I ran home from school every day. That's what kids knew me as, the kid that runs with his backpack bouncing off his back, you know, sprinting sprinting home. Um, And I just, and I worried about getting the work done. It just, it, uh, I didn't want to lose any time to get this work done, so I just ran home. I was so stressed and worried about it. I mean, it just truly dominated my mind. And one teacher just, I hated the most is because he would give a monthly calendar and had every single assignment that was due that month at the beginning of the month. And I would have to go home and do every single assignment that night until my parents had to come and stop me. My mind is busy. And because of this, sometimes I just, I have a horrible memory, which I have been told, you know, comes along with my form of anxiety and depression. Thanks, babe. I really appreciate you sharing yourself and being so open. Sure. So tell us a little bit what it was like for you growing up with this constant like fight or flight mode going on and not really being able to find peace with it. You know, it was exhausting. Mentally and physically, I was worn out. I was juggling school and sports, training every single day, doing lots of different sports growing up, everything from baseball, soccer, tennis, swimming, bicycling, running, and 
Now weightlifting's been my thing for the last 15 years. Um, I've always been physically af- active and training at something. It just, it makes me feel good and it's, it's part of my OCD. I mean, it's, it's really what I've always known um, and know well is working out and training. Being consistent and persistent, which, uh, which would normally be great qualities to have, but not for someone with OCD. Um, I could not control my life and I suffered. Moving into adulthood, I did attend college and acquired my degree. And, but again, it was under this in, incessant OCD drive, which was tiring and draining. Sometimes it was just too much. Yeah, knowing you as well as I do now, I can I can see how your life was then. And that's always kind of um, intrigued me as the sorrow and suffering that you've gone through. And you're really a good person. Um, so, Jed, tell us what was going on with you when we met. Uh, well, I remember I recently had just come out of a major depression. I had taken a leave of absence from work, so I missed uh, an entire semester of teaching school. Um, And I had successfully conquered the depression with the help of a wonderful doctor and the right therapy, the right medication. And I just remember having the thought after just feeling positive and like I'd I'd beaten this. I had this thought that I would like to possibly meet somebody. Um, you know, I felt, I felt a little more confident than I had before and, and good again in my life. And I just, you know, since I battled out of that depression, I just felt like the time was right to, to start looking a little bit. That's what you are as my soldier. You're always soldiering forward. When we met, we would have had these, we had these wonderful spirit-filled talks about faith, about Christ, the spirit of God. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what those conversations did for you and how they impacted you? Okay. You know, all I, all I remember is that when we would talk, you would give me your experiences and your side of things and, and it just always felt right and real and true. You know, I, I hadn't been, I didn't really have any prior knowledge. I mean, I took a couple of religion courses in college, but I just took them because I had to. Um, but it was probably just a, a few years before me, my dad had his own kind of spiritual awakening and finding of Christ. And he used to talk about it with me and, and encourage me and he ended up giving me a book called Meet the Bible. And that was the first book I read on my, on my spiritual journey. And, uh, you know, I was, I was open to it. You know, basically, I, because I'd been through hell and back. You know, and I was receptive to the spirit, not not knowing it at that point. I didn't know what the spirit was, but I knew I felt something. And I was just, you know, I was very grateful for that experience. You know what's interesting is when we had those conversations, I wasn't active in the gospel either. But I hadn't been inactive in the gospel because I didn't believe. It was more so because of my 
vices and the things that I was participating in. But I still had that strong testimony, and I knew that the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints was Christ's church on earth, and I think that carried through in our conversation. Oh, man, it carried through big time. Like, it says in my patriarchal blessing that I'm that I have a tender and receptive spirit a couple times that has a willingness and desire to follow the promptings of the of the of the Holy Ghost and you know that I feel the spirit and I just that's what I felt it just was amazing and I think you also are like a magnet and you gravitate to truth yes I'm I'm you know I'm I'm I think that's a blessing to the the ability to believe, mm-hmm. you know, Definitely. the ability to to know truth when you hear it, and I think that all it's, it says that in your patriarchal blessing too. Yeah. So fast forwarding now seven years, you've held callings, you've taught, you've ministered, you've studied out and followed the basics, including the Come Follow Me program. And now that you've spent time in the gospel of Jesus Christ, how does that put your suffering and sorrow and your hardships into perspective for you? You know, I still struggle. I still battle. And I do my best each day. You know, I'm always working on my faith, reminding myself that everything's okay. I'm very blessed. Everything's good. Just battling that negative mind, those negative thoughts. I think it's teaching me to be super faithful. I mean, I have lots of faith and I do believe. It's just sometimes my mind can just get really negative and it makes me difficult to, or makes it difficult for me to sometimes enjoy that peace that comes along with faith. But yeah, I have, I have those moments of peace. Yeah, I definitely have gotten those since I've joined the joined the gospel. You certainly do, and I think that those are spiritual talents that you've been given. Um, so Jed, tell us what keeps you in the gospel. I don't know how I made it through 38 years without the gospel. Like, the only way I made it through was by a divine hand. You know, since joining the gospel, I still deal with my trials. They weren't taken from me, but but I know I need Heavenly Father and Christ's strength to get me through my trials. I can't do it alone. And that just reminds me to look unto Heavenly Father in every thought and hopefully doubt not and fear not. That's what I'm always working on is to get rid of that fear. Now that you understand the plan of salvation and that this time on earth is truly a proving ground, how do you feel that your specific hardships play into your eternal welfare in life? I'm learning that the gospel is everything. That Christ and Heavenly Father need to be the center of my life. Well said. And I totally agree. That's one of the reasons why I love you, babes. Thank you for sharing and opening up with us today. You're a good son to our Heavenly Father, and you're a wonderful husband and and family man to our kids, too. Thanks, babe. I love you lots.
I'm so grateful that my husband's willing to be very real and open and genuine about his experiences and his journey here on earth. Um, We can learn a lot from each other when we share our testimonies in faith, that's for sure. I wanted to uh, share a few examples from the scriptures of those who have faced adversity. So when you go to the Book of Mormon, there's an account there of righteous people who learned um, the truth of peace and joy, even when you wrestle with challenges and sadness. I think there's a lot of uh, examples that are given to us throughout the scriptures and the Book of Mormon is filled with them. And this particular group of people, they suffered in bondage under a very cruel ruler, and they poured out the hearts to God. So this is Mosiah chapter 24, verses 8 through 12. And now it came to pass that Amulon began to exercise authority over Alma and his brethren, and began to persecute him and cause that his children should persecute their children. For Amulon knew Alma, that he had been one of the king's priests, and that it was he that believed the words of Abinadi and was driven out before the king, and therefore he was wroth with him. For he was subject to King Laman, yet he exercised authority over them, and put tasks upon them, and put taskmasters over them. And it came to pass that so great were their afflictions, that they began to cry mightily to God. And Amulon commanded them that they should stop their cries. And he put guards over them to watch them, that whosoever should be found calling upon God should be put to death. And Alma and his people did not raise their voices to the Lord their God, but did pour out their hearts to him. And he did know the thoughts of their hearts. I can't even imagine not even being able to verbally pray to Heavenly Father because of people who are oppressing you. Uh, You know, we're still not able to go to church here in California and uh, hoping that will be lifted soon. Um, But the Lord answered them and he answered them in Mosiah chapter 24, verses 13 through 14. He says, lift up your heads and be of good comfort. For I know of the covenant which ye have made unto me, and I will covenant with my people and deliver them out of bondage. And I will also ease the burdens which are put upon your shoulders, that even you cannot feel them upon your backs, even while you're in bondage. And this will I do, that ye may stand as witnesses for me hereafter, and that ye may know of a surety that I, the Lord God, do visit my people in their afflictions. So once again, you know, is laying hold upon the word, believing what we read, These words are powerful, but only if we believe. And the teaching here is that no matter our circumstances, no matter what the suffering is, the hardship and trial, that God is asking us to lift up our heads and to be of good comfort and to know that he will deliver his people out of bondage, that he is there for us. That is so hard to do. I am not really good at that, and I have not been very successful at that, but I try and I try again. As I get older, I have to admit I'm getting better with it, and I am grateful for these scriptures that always bring me back into remembrance. In Mosiah chapter 24, verse 15, the people responded with faith, and the burdens which were laid upon them were made light. Yea, the Lord did strengthen them that they could bear up their burdens with ease, and they did submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord. You know, that verse is telling us very clearly what we need to do 
and that is to be faithful, um, to bear the burdens, to look to the Lord to strengthen us, to bear up our burdens, and to know that He truly can take on the yoke with us. And then we have Doctrine and Covenants, section 98, verse 3. Like these righteous people, you can submit cheerfully and with patience to all the will of the Lord, knowing that He will strengthen you in your trials, because He has promised all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good and to my name's glory. Do you believe that? Are you laying hold upon the word? That's what we need to do. Belief and faith is everything. And those scriptures can release us from the despair and the hopelessness that ad- adversity and trials can um, inevitably put us in. And those scriptures, those teachings, that doctrine gives us hope. And that is our joy, that is our light, and that can be our cheer. So there are some ways that, of course, we can cope with the inevitable sorrows and tribulations of life. And the number one way is going to be having faith in our Savior, knowing that Jesus Christ will help us bear our burdens if we seek Him. And that's always going to be the catch. Remember that communication door does not open until we knock. We must knock for it to open. Elder Richard G. Scott said, To exercise faith is to trust that the Lord knows what He is doing with you and that He can accomplish it for your eternal good, even though you cannot understand how He can possibly do it. We are like infants in our understanding of eternal matters and their impact on us here in mortality. Yet at times we act as if we knew it all. When you pass through trials for His purposes, and as you trust Him, you exercise faith in Him, He will help you. That support will generally come step by step, a portion at a time, while you're passing through each phase, the pain and difficulty that comes from being enlarged will continue. If all matters were immediately resolved at your first petition, you could not grow. Your Father in heaven and His beloved Son love you perfectly. They would not require you to experience a moment more of difficulty than is absolutely needed for your personal benefit or for that of those you love. And I love this quote by um, Elder Scott because the truthfulness of it, I just feel it. And I know that Heavenly Father qualifies us for any assignments or missions that He gives us, anything of service or ministering that He wants us to do, anything that we lack. The Savior makes up the difference, and we don't need to worry about anything that we lack because the Savior makes up the difference. We can press forward in confidence knowing that they qualify us and will help us to do the job. I think another pearl of wisdom there is that they're teaching us that God will not give us anything more than what is absolutely necessary. And he knows exactly what we can handle and what we can't handle. And so we can find security and assuredness with that piece of knowledge, knowing that if there's something that we're dealing with and we feel like we just do not have the energy, the wherewithal, the knowledge to deal with it, we need to hit our knees, say a prayer, and remind ourselves that Heavenly Father 
knows exactly what we can handle because he sees the entirety of the picture. Whereas more often than not, we're looking very close up at a portion of the picture. And so we want to rely on his knowledge and exercise our faith. Another great way of coping with adversity is prayer and fasting. Ezra Taft Benson says, prayer in the hour of need is a great boon. From simple trials to our Gethsemanes, prayer can put us in touch with God, our greatest source of comfort and counsel. Our prophets and apostles are so wise. And, you know, when they give us counsel, I always see the hand of God and the Savior in that counsel. Another great way for us to cope with our adversities and trials are the scriptures because the scriptures contain many passages that can enlighten, encourage, and comfort us. We can find answers to our questions in the scriptures and the words of the living prophets can give direction. When we face our problems, strengthened with the messages of the scriptures, we will find new courage and direction. For me, the Book of Mormon has all of the answers that I need. If I honestly need to do some type of change in my behavior or attitude, um, when I read the Book of Mormon, that does it for me. So you find what works for you and hold on to that. Make it part of your daily routine and just hold fast to that because we need that to continue to persevere. Another way to cope through adversity is through priesthood blessings. We have the privilege of receiving blessings through the priesthood, and these blessings can be given for many reasons, including sickness, distress, and trial. President Ezra Taft Benson explained, in a particularly stressful time or in the anticipation of a critical event, one can seek for a blessing under the hands of the priesthood. Even the prophet Joseph Smith sought and received a blessing under the hands of Brigham Young and received solace and direction for his soul. Our patriarchal blessings can also give us insight and help us find direction. Often we can find answers to our problems or concerns through studying this special blessing. So if you have your patriarchal blessing, make that part of your routine. Figure out how to squeeze some time in to read your patriarchal blessing. And if you don't have it, please do whatever you need to do to obtain your patriarchal blessing. It is well worth it. And it truly has been a liahona for my life and my husband's life. And the last thing that we can do to cope with adversity and trial is service and work. As we become involved in helping others, our thoughts are lifted from our own personal problems. President Lorenzo Snow said, when you find yourselves a little gloomy, look around you and find somebody that is in a worse plight than yourself. Go to him, find out what the trouble is, then try to remove it with the wisdom which the Lord bestows upon you. And the first thing you know is you're blessed and your troubles, they seem to just kind of feel like they're minimized. And I've experienced that too, as I've done ministering and service. And I think one of the best ways to pull yourself out of a funk, um, especially when I've gone through bouts of depression or um, just kind of being melancholy, is always to get up and do the service and work of the Lord. It just works every single time without failure. I hope that the Spirit's been able to touch your heart and mind today to let you know what you can do or it enlightened your mind 
on how to best handle your particular trials and challenges. Um, adversity, unfortunately, is just part of this experience, and there must be opposition in all things. I think one of the biggest things I've learned is to write my attitude with it, and that is to expect it and to be okay with it because it really is for our good. It's adding to who we are and what we're going to take into heaven after we pass the second estate in this time here on earth. This truly is a blessing to us. And um, it is through knowing good and evil, right from wrong, sadness from happiness, that we become like God and like Jesus Christ. And I want to leave that with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You guys are just awesome. And I love to hear from my audience. So please remember, you can reach out uh, through Instagram at LDSRPRL podcast and DM me. Or you can send me an email at all spelled out LDS real people, real lives at gmail.com. You guys, please, please, please stay safe stay healthy, and most importantly, stay faithful. And remember to be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Until next week, God bless and much love.